Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. Actually, I think I'm the one not worthy because today Wayne's World director Penelope Spheris is on the show. She's also the genius behind the decline of the Western civilization movies, parts one, two, and three. You know how I love how much I love part three. Uh, actually, part two is what I love, and all you longtime Talk Is Jericho listeners know that uh, part two was the Metal Years, one of my all-time favorite documentaries, with my all-time favorite Paul Stanley quote uh, included in that. We're going to talk about that film, but we're going to hear a lot of great stories about what it was like making Wayne's World with Mike Myers and Talk is Jericho alumni Dana Carvey. The movie's celebrating its 25th birthday. Hard to believe it's 25 years old already. And it's got, uh, there's a brand new special edition re-release of the movie on DVD and digital download. It's got new bonus features, new commentary track, and 10, 10, 10 lucky Sexy Beast Talk is Jericho listeners are going to win a free digital download of Wayne's World 25. I'm going to tell you exactly how you can win coming up a little later on the show but we're going to get to Penelope Spheris but first of all I want to say thanks uh, to one of the sponsors who not only makes this tremendous uh, show happen this interview happen also helps feed my family and yours I'm talking about Blue Apron you got to get in on this Blue Apron is what I do when I'm at home and need to cook dinner for my family quickly uh, and I want it to taste good Blue Apron is turning me into quite the gourmet chef that's right they make it really easy as well all the ingredients are delivered right to my front door along with easy to follow step by step recipe cards. There's so many recipes to choose from every week. I can even customize them according to the foods that my kids uh, like to eat, which is barely anything, peanut butter, and that's about it. But <laughs> Blue Apron's got a lot more than just that. By the time I get home later this week, I should have everything I need to make seared steaks and mashed potatoes with roasted Brussels sprouts, all thanks to Blue Apron. I'm going to whip up that meal like a bad boy in 40 minutes or less because that's how Blue Apron rolls. And Blue Apron has a freshness guarantee, fresh guarantee. So if everything doesn't arrive fresh and ready to cook, Blue Apron will take care of it. That's right. Blue Apron is the way to go. People, it's fresh, it's easy, it's fast, and like I said, in 40 minutes or less, and for less than 10 bucks a meal, that's a deal, man. You can cook up a delicioso, nutritious dinner that your family is going to love. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping as well by going to blueapron.com slash Jericho. Blueapron.com slash Jericho. You'll love how good it feels and taste to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. This is tasty treats, I'm telling you. Go to blueapron.com slash Jericho, blueapron.com slash Jericho, and eat like a king, man. Hi, I'm author and director Mick Garris, inviting you to download my new podcast, Postmortem, to hear from the greatest filmmakers and creators of your worst nightmares. Check out new episodes every other Wednesday on podcastone.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. I'd have to say... A sphincter says what? What? A sphincter says what? What? Exactly. <laughs> so I'm really excited today. Uh, Penelope Spheris is here. And first of all, when I first started uh, following your movies, um, I thought you pronounced your name Penelope. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, it sort of rhymes with cantaloupe. No, it's Penelope. <laughs> but I never knew that. Like, I, I grew, you were the first Penelope I ever saw. Oh wow! Like on the on you know on a on a, on a you yeah. know, marquee or whatever. So I was like Penelope. Penelope. Penelope yeah. Spheris. So well, now that Penelope Cruz has come into right. the world, then everybody can say my name. Now. She's made it like hip. Again, she made it cool to be yeah, Penelope. Did exactly. People, did people call you Penelope when you were a, a kid? Uh, no. Okay. No. It was always Penelope. Yeah, it was Penelope. I'm just the idiot that didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's okay. You're a cute idiot. Oh, it's fine. thank you, thank you. <laughs> but it's exciting though because a lot of stuff to talk about. But obviously, the, the thing that's right off the top of our heads is, is the Wayne's World 25th anniversary, which um, and we talked briefly about about this kind of alternate universe, very light, uh, funny movie. That's it's 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 an American classic. And did you ever think that when you were doing this? No, actually, Chris, it was uh, the fact that it did well when it was released in uh-huh. '92 uh, was a shock. Yeah. It's just um, unbelievable. I feel very blessed and very happy, and I can't believe it. It's, it's it's the eternal question, you know, like asking an author, where do you get the ideas for your stories? But what what do you think it is about this movie that that resonates 25 years later? I think it's probably the fact that times are a little tougher now and daily life is a little more stringent and people don't have quite as much fun. And I think people like to go back and and, and experience what it's like to be 20 years old and mm-hmm. have that youthful, joyous thing going on, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. So. It, it's interesting, though, because you talk about the, it's coming from a Saturday Night Live sketch, Wayne's World, mm-hmm. which, you know, notoriously, and I think Wayne's World might have been one of the first Saturday Night Live movies, per se. Yeah, it was this, um, the only one before us was the Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers, but right. we, I don't mean to be bragging, but we <laughs> we did better business. Oh. But they were, you know, Blues Brothers was cool. It's a pretty good movies. So yeah. I think those probably could be the best two right. SNL movies mm-hmm. ever. Because then the, the, this pantheon that followed of like these s- sketches that are 90 seconds, four minutes, three minutes, that probably should have stayed there. Mm-hmm. With Wayne's World, I mean, it really was a 90-minute story, but it, it didn't feel like it... Sh- like it was perfect it didn't feel like oh this is stretching right yeah that's what the studio was worried about when we started working on it was how are you going to turn a five minute piece into 90 minutes you know but I was never worried about it because the writers Bonnie and Terry Turner and Mike Myers Mm -hmm. uh, did such a great job on the first pass of the script and they just kept working on it um, all the 34 days that that, that I shot you know 34 days yeah it's like a guerrilla filmmaking right huh it's a guerrilla filmmaking it was so quick yeah and back in those days it was an uh, average studio movie cost 63 million dollars and Paramount gave us 14 million and they never thought it would do 200 million in business yeah, right right know? right 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 off the bat to just a huge hit as it yeah. was right mm-hmm. I mean I think because the, the characters are so lovable that's a good one reason yeah and there's also I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, and this is what Bonnie and Terry always tried to do which was to be ahead of the audience to make it so that it wasn't predictable you mm-hmm. know and and if the audience thought it was going to go one direction and make a left turn and then surprise people, you know? Right. And then we broke the third and fourth wall and whatever else walls there were to break. And, uh, you know, Mike's talking to the camera. We just did <laughs> unconventional things. So, for example, when you're breaking the third and fourth wall, was that something that was in the script? Was that something that you worked on with Mike? Or, or how do you approach that as a, as it was a director? A, it was a question that we had to 
you know, deal with and handle very carefully because it's not something that's done very mm-hmm, often mm-hmm, in films. Right. You know, and uh, we were a little bit nervous to do it, but uh, Mike was so good at talking to the camera and like pulling you into his private little world mm-hmm. that uh, we could see it was working. So, you know, it reminded me of if you ever watched Three's Company when Mr. Roper would look at the camera, like, you know, Tinkerbell, <laughs> and he would, he would do it in a way where he's like, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in this, we're in this together. Hello. <laughs> Kind of did the same thing with with Mike. With That's Wayne, funny, you know? exactly. Right. Yeah. So, how do you approach this? Um, like I said, when you said the script is great, it turns out good, but you still have to keep this movie rolling for a ninety minute period based on a, a five minute sketch mm-hmm. with all these wonky things that are happening within this world of, of Wayne. Mm-hmm. W- w- how how did you approach that as a, as a director? Well, you know, when you're, you probably know that when you're, when you're writing a script, if new pages come in, you have different colors so that you can integrate it into your original white copy. Mm-hmm. And there are about 10 uh, colors that, that are uh, used, like weird colors, like persimmon and aqua and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> colors like that. Um, Meadowlark. I don't know what it is. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we went through all 10 colors three times. That's how many new pages came in all the time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was my job to keep track of just to make sure that whatever new stuff fit with what we already shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And luckily, I have that kind of brain where I remember what's going to fit together. And if something came in and it didn't match with what we already shot, I knew to throw it out, you know. Mm. You know, another thing I liked about it, too, was, was you know, you're especially talking about a movie based around heavy metal, for example, hard rock. Mm-hmm. And it comes, it sometimes there's a tendency to make it kind of dumb it down and make these guys stupid. And obviously they were just dudes, but it was never stupid. It was never, it was very respectful towards music and towards yeah. towards rock and roll, Good. which was a pretty, kind of a rare thing in a movie like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you know or not, but back in the day when uh, Harry Shear and Chris Guest were putting together Spinal Tap, they came to me uh, through a friend, a mutual friend called David Jablin, and they gave me their treatment for Spinal Tap. And I looked at it, and I'm like, you know what, you guys... Um, I don't want to make fun of heavy metal music. I love it too much. I'm not going to make fun of it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, of course, they went and got Rob Reiner to direct it, and he did a fabulous job, and I kicked myself in the <laughs> Wow. To this day. You had the chance to direct Spinal I, Tap. I did. I did. But, you know, I was looking at the guys, and they didn't look heavy metal, and they didn't look like they understood it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to make fun of the music. So I dumbed out on that one. Interesting. So, so let me ask you this. Why were they coming to you? Uh, to direct this, and, and why did you get the Wayne's World gig? Had you worked well, with I those guys? Well, I was working on uh, Decline Part 2, and I was sort of known around town for... I had the first music video company in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. It was called Rock and Reel, and I did music videos way before there was an EMTV. Hmm. And, um, you know, I had done the first Decline, and I'm, I was actually going to look up the, the, the timing between Spinal Tap and the second Decline, because it was right around the same time. Uh, yeah, Spinal Tap came out probably two or three years earlier. Yeah. I think Spinal Tap was 84 and Decline was 88, right? Or 87? You are such the trivia dude. Big time. Yeah, I'm a, Unbelievable. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a movie buff for certain types of movies. I love you know? it. I'm a rock yeah. guy, so any rock movie I'll Right, tell you. right. Well, anyway, yeah, I did blow that one with uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With Spinal Tap, but I did uh, make up for it a little bit with uh, Decline Part Two. But, but how are they coming to you? Like, how did you know? How does how does Harry Shearer know to come to Penelope? Uh, because Sears, I or? was working with his partner uh, Albert Brooks, and oh. I knew Harry was writing with Albert, and I produced all the Saturday Night Live shorts that Albert uh, gotcha. directed. Gotcha. Those little like little, little n- ninety vignettes. ninety second vignettes, black and white, or whatever they may yeah. be. Yeah. Lauren Lauren called me up, and because uh, I knew Lauren before he even started Saturday Night Live, and he goes. I found this really funny guy, but he doesn't he doesn't know how to make movies, Penelope, and you know how to do it, so please show him how to do it, would you? And That's I'm a good like, Lauren, yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves to make fun of the way Lauren talks. He's so cute. But so, yeah, I taught Albert how to shoot, and uh, he taught me how to deal with Hollywood and taught me a lot about comedy, and hmm. it was a good relationship. And Harry was a co-writer with Albert on a lot of the shows. Okay, gotcha. And then Harry brought me over to, to meet with Chris and, you know, the other people involved. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. So when you're talking about working with those guys and you have obviously the, the sketch comedy background, you're understanding kind of what the vibe of it is. I'm sure that kind of helped with Wayne's World as well, knowing like you're, you have this, it's, it's, it's comedy, but it's smart comedy. It's intelligent. That's right. Well, that's the thing is um, we always did try to make it really smart. And like I said, stay ahead of, of the audience, you know. I mean, it talks down to the audience if it's stupid comedy, you mm-hmm. know. And you have to respect the audience because... Basically, they are smarter than us. I'm sorry, but that's just, you have to respect that, you know? That's what I think, anyway. There's so many catchphrases from Wayne's World that still, you know, last to this day, you know, (laughs) squeeze me baking powder, like, shwing, and all that sort of stuff. When, Like I said, when you watch the movie back, it still holds up. It's not like an early 90s uh, time capsule. Dudes talk like that to this day, almost in a way. I know, I know. I heard uh, right when right when the film came out and did well here in in uh, the United States domestically, the uh, studio said, "Well, Penelope, you know, you're very lucky that it did this well, but we're going to release it internationally now. But they're never going to get it over over there anywhere because they don't understand what swing means. They don't understand what fished in means. They don't understand that stuff. So." Evidently, uh, Paramount, I'd love to get one of these, Paramount made up a little booklet that was like for each country translations. I know. (laughs) So I don't know what swing is in Japanese, but maybe it's a picture. I don't know. We don't know, right? We don't know. But it worked because it did well internationally too, you know. Well, and that, that, like once again, that resonates with, 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 I'm assuming the fan base was probably people my age at the time, early 20s, Mm -hmm. early teens. Yeah. So you can kind of lock on to those catchphrases. Well, what happened, I think, was uh, our target audience was early 20s, your age at the time. Mm -hmm. And it hit there. And then the the younger generation wanted to know what their older brothers and sisters were looking at and were so happy about. So they started going. So we started getting the tweens and the and the uh, early teens. And then after that, the parents of both of those kids wanted to see it to find out what was going on. So we had three generations jumping on board, and I think that's what you know, pu- yeah, pulled the, it together. Yeah, it was a multi-generational, right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I've had, I've had Dana Carvey on this show before. Super funny, obviously, as you know. Was there ever, was it mostly sticking to the script or was there a lot of improv moments that you that you caught on camera as well? It seems like Dana's a little bit of a, of a firecracker when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> he totally is. Yeah. And he's really, really funny. Yeah. Um, th- there was a mix, actually. Uh, we, we shot the script 
uh, to the to the best that we could, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, sometimes Dana wanted to shoot it one way and then Mike wanted to shoot it another way. So I do that and then I'd shoot it my way. And then they go, well, can we just like, you know, improv one here? And I'm like, heck yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. And um, that scene on the car when they're lying there looking up at the, like the um, airport or the, the planes. Air- or yeah, 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 at the plane. She's a fox. In France, she would be called La Renard and she would be hunted with only her cunning to protect her. She's a babe. She's a robo-babe. In Latin, she would be called Babia Majora. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Did you ever find Bugs Bunny attractive when he'd put on a dress and play a girl bunny? No. (laughs) No. Okay, okay, keep looking up! Okay. Uh, we actually shot that on a soundstage, and uh, it was the last day of the shoot. And all, all the guys, everybody was just so tired. And there was a limo waiting outside this, the stage, and I didn't even have time to turn the camera on and off. I just had to let it run. <sighs> and they improved really a lot right there. That whole thing about like if Bugs Bunny was wearing a dress or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Would you be attracted to the girl Bugs Bunny? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know all that stuff was improv right there, and and I think it worked really good because they were so tired and they just started busting out laughing, mm-hmm. and that was real laughter. They weren't faking that laugh, you know. <laughs> Well, like you said, on a 30 to 4 day shoot, I'm sure you had to oh, they were toast. film as much as you could, right? They were totally toast, and so was so I. So were you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, oh. And then I, I look out the stage door, and the limo's sitting there, and Garth yanks his wig off, throws it back in the stage, and runs and, and jumps in the car. <laughs> yeah. And they went back to Saturday Night Live to write. That's how close we came. Oh, you mean they went straight from the set to New to York? Airport to airport to, to go to write, write on Saturday Night Live. Well, that's right, because they were still on SNL at the yeah. time. Yeah, and Lauren was saying, you got to get that thing done. I need these guys back here. you got to get that thing done i'm like wow. i'm trying man yeah. <laughs> so they bring you on to be the director and, and you mentioned a couple times mike's vision and, and obviously you know wayne's world is basically mike myers creation the way he sees it did you have uh did you ever have to i mean you're 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 it's almost like being the coach of the la kings when wayne gretzky's playing how do, how do you coach <laughs> wayne one. gretzky right yeah so yeah yeah how are you directing mike myers or is he directing you on how to direct well him? see i had one okay mike had a lot up on me because he knew that character better than anybody Mm-hmm. Okay, so whatever he, character stuff or choices about wardrobe for the character, I let him go with it, you know. But I right. had one up on him because Wayne's World was my seventh movie, and and it was Mike's first movie. Oh, wow. Okay. That was his first movie. Yeah, did he? Yeah. It was like... We had to teach him how to hit his mark, you know. Gotcha. He did, I mean, sure. he knew a little bit from the show, but I mean, the show, he sits down all the time. You don't have to hit no mark, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and plus, and, that's a live show. A movie, you've yeah. got to film it this way and so take it from the right and the left and up and ball down. game. Yeah. yeah, a whole different thing, you know. And then the other trip was that, um, you know, that we had that pacer, and he... Uh, I just, just, I didn't think, you know, like, can he drive? I didn't think that. and But I asked him to sit in the pacer because I want to see, like, frame up the camera and see how the windshield looked and all that stuff. Tell him for the, for the Bohemian Rhapsody scene or just yeah, in general? Yeah, he had to drive that car in the film, you know, various Always, places. Right, yeah. And he told me he didn't know how to drive. Really? Uh, yeah, because he's from Toronto, and he was always taking public <laughs> <Yeah>. transport. <laughs> they live in New York, and right? He, Taxis. Same and, deal. Yeah. And he didn't know how to drive. So... He makes a joke about how 
you know, uh, we didn't have much money, so we had to give him Sears drive, driving lessons. And um, he said he would be staying at the, um, I don't know how he's, he's, he's swung get, uh, getting a room at the Four Seasons, but he would be at the Four Seasons and the and the guy, the concierge would come up and go, sir, your car is here. And he would go out and it would be like Sears driving school. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't they even make a, a, a joke about that where it's like, you know, in Hollywood when guys are driving, they're not even paying attention to the road and they're looking yeah. all over the place because yeah. yeah. it's on the back of a truck. They actually kind of incorporated that into oh, the film, right? Oh, right, you're right, you're right. There's one of those kind of uh, breaking the, the yeah, wall. Yeah, breaking the wall. Yeah. And then also, so too, like with the uh, the the product placement. Yeah, and the Grey Poupon Yeah, yeah. The Grey Poupon, is, it's, that's another one that, I don't even, I'm not even sure I know, I know even what Grey Poupon is or if I've ever really seen it. It's a mustard. Sure. Yeah. Pardon me. Do you have any Grey Poupon? <laughs> but here's the thing um i did the little rascals after i did wayne's world mm. and um the studio called and asked if i would cast donald trump as waldo's dad and i'm like well he's a rich guy from new york sure why not this is 96 right right so like i just kick myself to this day that i didn't get donald to play the guy driving in the gray poupon bentley you it know? could have been it could have been him <laughs> i know right foreshadowing right darn <laughs> all right but let's talk about some of the other people in the movie uh, rob lowe doing his first comedic role which is now he's known for that at the time he wasn't and of course the famous scene with alice Cooper, uh, Chris Farley's first movie, and even Meatloaf was in there. All right, we're going to talk all about that. But before we hear about the casting and what it was like to be on set with these comedic geniuses, I want to talk about something else everyone should be streaming Live Workouts with Diamond Dallas Page from the DDP Yoga Center in Smyrna, Georgia. You got to check this place out if you're in town. You can work out with DDP himself, even if you're not, thanks to the new DDP Yoga Now app. Okay, and you get three free months of this crazy, amazing app when you buy the DDPY program on DVD. And you can get the DDPY DVDs and all related DDPY merch for 25% off right now at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. You guys know how much I believe in the DDPY program. I can't say it enough. It's the reason why I'm still at the top of my game in the WWE. It's why I'm the 61 minute man. That's right. It's why the new Fozzie album coming in May features some of the best singing of my career. All core based uh, workouts and core based activities. Uh, I was messed up years ago and DDP Yoga helped me get everything back in shape and get everything back in line. DDP Yoga can do the same for you. I do DDP Yoga everywhere and anywhere. I open the app. I get to do the workout wherever I want. Backstage at a venue, in the dress room, in the hotel room, on the bus. The app makes it that easy. And it's got a whole new set of workouts on it so you'll never get bored. All right? You'll never get bored. The app's also got tips for healthy eating, recipes to keep you on target, keep you on point. It's everything you need to live a healthier life, man. I think that's why so many of my friends are on the DDPY program, you've heard them all. Uh, Rich Ward from Fozzie, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Kane, AJ Styles. The list goes on and on and on. And right now... You still get 25% off the DDPY DVDs, the DDP Yoga Now app, and all related merch at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. And remember this, if you buy a Max Pack, you get a second one for 50% off the price that's already 25% off, all right? That is a crazy deal. You got no excuses. You got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. It's the biggest sale ever on the DDPY program. Take advantage of it now. Get on the path to healthy living. Get in the best shape of your life physically and mentally. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Change your life today. 
All right, and remember, I got 10 digital downloads of the special edition 25th anniversary of Wayne's World to give away to 10 Sexy Beast Talk is Jericho listeners. I'm going to tell you how you can win coming up, but for right now, let's go back to Penelope Spheris. Game on! Yeah, game on! But let's talk about some of the people that were in the movie. I think Rob Lowe, at this point in time, he's now he's a super funny guy. He's in a lot of comedy stuff. Yeah. I think Wayne's World might have been his first comedic uh, You're performance. You're good, Chris. Right? You are good. As a matter of fact, <laughs> no, seriously... As a matter of fact, uh, Rob gives Wayne's World uh, credit for teaching him his comedy chops, you know? Mm. He he claims he was mostly a kind of romantic comedy t- type dude before that, and that is very different than, you know, flat-out comedy like comedy. we were sure, sure. doing in Wayne's World. So he, he does give a lot of credit, but, you know, it was Lorne's idea to cast Rob, mm. and... Um, he called me up and said, "Why, Penelope? Why don't we have for that Benjamin Oliver role? Why don't we have, um, you know, Rob Lowe?" And I said, "I don't think that's a good idea because he just had some really bad publicity, you know." Was it like a sex tape? Or it something? was some kind of yeah. yeah video, and it was not back uh, when that was controversial. Yeah, it was not that good, and you know, right. and so uh, Lauren says, "Well, that's okay. We can get him cheap." <laughs> Always the <laughs> and uh, number one, uh, and that's what happened. Oh, okay, you know, and, and yeah, we got a good deal <laughs> so when you brought him in and he's and you're was he like saying like hey i'm, I'm not sure about comedy you're gonna have to help me out no because he's an actor and got you would never cop to that you okay know? gotcha you, you would have to you know just kind of like but see um he he picked it up fast you know because being around mike and dana is hilarious in the first place okay mm-hmm. and he knew that he was the bad guy and he was sort of like the butt of a lot of jokes and everything and he took it really well you know like one of my favorite scenes in in Wayne's World is when the cop pulls him over and takes out that glove, you know. <laughs> and then, and then Rob, uh, it was his idea to to walk funny afterwards, like like it hurt, you know. <laughs> right, 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 right. That was his idea. Was yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're talking also too about. Uh... There's a couple iconic scenes that, that pop in my mind. One is obviously the Bohemian Rhapsody scene. Tell us about that, about the idea behind it. How did you frame it? How did you shoot it? Well, um, that was the one song in the film that was there from the very beginning, and it was the one song that Mike insisted stay there. Mm. And I was fine with it. I mean, I always loved Queen. When I first envisioned it in the film, I was like, hmm, what do I do with this? And then I thought of putting it as a title sequence. Mm-hmm. And then um, when we went down to shoot, we shot out in a suburb called Covina. Um, and we went down to shoot. We were all night long. And I had to move the camera. We were towing the pacer. I had to move the camera to various positions. And so they were actually headbanging for four and a half or so hours. <laughs> That's hard to do. Totally, I know. That's like hard It's hard to, to do, do with, with a three-minute song, but I think yeah. uh, Rhapsody's like seven or eight minutes, yes. whatever, nine, I don't know. Right, divided into four hours. Times four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Mike was getting mad, and he's like, give me some Advil, and this isn't funny, and why are we doing this? <laughs> I don't like it, man. <laughs> and I'm like, just do it, please. He goes, well, it hurts. And he's like, today he still says, my neck still hurts from from that <laughs> I'm like yeah but look at all the people you made laugh man
and also too, we're talking about Queen right now in 2017, but in 1992, not the most popular of bands. No. I think Freddie Mercury just passed away, right. so they're kind of like this 70s animal, right. and that put them like back on the map. Big really time. did. Yeah, I think time. Bohemian even went back in the charts and yeah. that sort of thing. Brian and... May always says thanks. You know? <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, I had gone to a party on the Queen Mary mm-hmm. for uh, Queen. I think it was MCA or one of those labels that was having, and Freddie wasn't there, and um, that's when we knew he was sick. But when I did the um, the video for Wayne's World of Bohemian Rhapsody, I had to look at every single piece of um, of tape or film, whatever that was that was shot with him. And uh, man, I fell in love with that guy. He is amazing. You know, with Freddie. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. He was a an incredible person, an amazing songwriter, and so maybe the best frontman of all time. I think so. You know, I mean, he's up yeah. there, top three. Yeah. He might go different direction yeah. here, there, but he's got to be up there. I agree. If you yeah. watch the Live Aid Queen set, it's about 20 minutes long, mm-hmm. and it's probably the best live gig of all time. Is that right? Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. good. Just his, He commands the crowd, and he's yeah. just that presence and that, mm-hmm. you know. And Intense. then, obviously, the riffs and, and the songs behind them. But just, <clears throat> Amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, he brought opera into rock and roll. Well, yeah, completely, completely. Did you, I mean, and I know what you're going to say to this, but when you're filming that scene... Do you know it's something special, or is it just another scene in a 34-day shoot that's just going to go in there? B. <laughs> no, we didn't know it was that special. Yeah, and it's you know? like an iconic scene. It's it's up there. Well, with... check this out. Aurora, Illinois, which is where Wayne's World was theoretically set, mm-hmm. uh, started, starts a celebration now because the film is being re-released. And this is February, and it's going to go on until... Uh, July the 4th, where they're going to have... That's six months, man. It was like celebrating for six months. Six months. And they're going to have a... um, uh, Trying to get into the uh, Guinness uh, Book of World Records with the most people headbanging to Bohemian Rhapsody at the same time. (laughs) I know. Yeah. What else has Aurora got going on? I got in trouble, really, because I said, and I probably shouldn't repeat it, but I said... Well, that's what I said. I said, mm. I said, um, well, don't they have any pumpkins or strawberries to celebrate? <laughs> and then they got mad at me and said, what's the matter? She thinks pumpkins are, are more important than her movie. Yeah, and we I'm got like, good pumpkins. Yeah, yeah I don't want to get in a fight with Aurora. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, fine. We love you, Aurora. Shout out to all the fine people in Aurora. Yes. Uh, Farley, I think one mm-hmm. of his first films, he was he yeah. was in there. Um was that as a favorite of Myers, or did he have to audition? No, or? it was Lauren again. Lauren put Lauren him in there. Lauren called me and said, "I've got the. I won't do with the accent. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've got uh, the. Um, he said, funny. "I've got. The, I've got this guy, <laughs> uh, and he's really, really funny, and uh, people love him. But he's very shy. Really. And yeah, and he is afraid of the camera. And so he said, "I want you to get him used to being in front of a camera. He does it on the show, but he's really uncomfortable. Come on, put him in front in the movie." So we gave him a little part in the back of the venue where Alice played, mm-hmm. uh, and you know he was like the bouncer that says which way to go, and he kind of made it his own. He started to you know like point weird and everything, <laughs> yeah. and he was funny even though he hardly had any lines. And then I worked with Chris again um, on Black Sheep mm-hmm. at uh, Paramount. So three or four years later, five yeah. years later. Him and Spade. Yeah. yeah. Still legitimately funny. Oh, yeah. Much more I'm... used to the camera, obviously, at that point. Oh, yeah. He was, like, real comfy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have any, a good, any good stories and memories about him? 
Well, he's the thing about Chris was, I mean, you've heard about Tom Cruise and people like that wanting to do their own stunts. Well, that was Farley. Farley would only, you know, we'd always have this <laughs> this stuntman standing around that looked just like him <laughs> and doing nothing all day because Chris wouldn't let him uh, do his stunts, you know? I mean, uh, one day uh, he was supposed to hit his head on a tree branch, and I told him, I said, Chris, don't, and you, you just don't. And he hit himself so hard, he went down, and we're like, are you there? Are you there? Please come back. And um, he was okay, but it was a bad hit. And then uh, the other thing that he, he really did was on that roll down the hill, Actually, some it went viral lately because somebody posted that whole scene of Chris Farley falling down the hill, and uh, it was like he was grabbing at branches and mm-hmm. dirt and grass and everything. And and the the it said on the video, uh, 2016. That's what people perceived. Very holy on. Yeah, just barely, we, you know. Anyway, but Chris did most of that as well. Wow. He was involved in that. Because you could see a very physical comedian for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't watch Beverly Hills Ninja until just lately. But yeah, you could see he's just like bouncing off the walls. And getting bigger too. Like towards yeah. the... He, he was. He was getting 300 pounds, 350. Just yeah. one of those guys in the But he was still of, very physical. Sure. John Candy, John Belushi, all yep. these guys that are big, but they're still very yeah. physical, very mm-hmm. graceful with that, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking back to that SNL skit with Patrick Swayze, the Chippendale dancer, I mean, that's totally Oh farty, my gosh, right? that was hilarious, wasn't yeah. it? I know. Another, uh, I love uh, Meatloaf's quote of, uh, who's playing like, the shitty Beatles? Are they any good? No, they suck. <laughs> so, it's, so it's not just a catchy name. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> very good. But once again, you had those guys sprinkled throughout. Meatloaf is in there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned Alice Cooper. That's another iconic scene yeah. uh, that everyone knows with, like, you know, Milwaukee. Milo- oh, I know. I talked to Alice lately, and he said he was so shocked when we when he came to the set because he didn't know he was going to have two pages of dialogue, mm. okay? He thought he was just going to perform Feed My Frankenstein, walk off stage, thank you, bye, have the guys go, we're not worthy. But, um, of course, the writers say, oh, we got Alice Cooper coming down, let's write five pages, you know? So (laughs) so they write that whole run about, um, yeah, Algonquin and Milwaukee (laughs) and all that stuff, and, and we handed it to him. He, he was he was saying, I can't believe I had to learn that on the spot, but he did it, mm-hmm. you know, and he spit it out, like, just perfectly, and people loved the scene. Cause it was great, yeah. So offhanded about it. Well, I'm a regular visitor here, but Milwaukee has certainly had its share of visitors. The French missionaries and explorers were coming here as early as the late 1600s to trade with the Native Americans. In fact, isn't Milwaukee an Indian name? Yes, Pete, it is. Actually, it's pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. I was not aware of that. I think one of the most interesting aspects of Milwaukee is the fact that it's the only major American city to have ever elected three socialist mayors. Does this guy know how to party or what? Was he was he the original choice for that? No, no. Did you know who was? No. Are you, is that why you're asking? Well, I, I'd heard something about it, but it, it was Aerosmith. That's oh. who. That's who Mike wanted to um to be in the in, in, that, in scene. that scene and um they said that they didn't want to do it i don't know why maybe they didn't get the script or whatever i mean because they, they had done it on snl i remember they were they were actually in yeah he wanted yeah oh okay yeah, so they, he, were on that, yeah. they were on that in in on, on snl okay well that yeah. makes sense then yeah because mike always likes to repeat everything that he does I, that's true that's true okay mm-hmm. so but they wouldn't do it and so that's when i went and got alice because i had just worked with alice on decline part two yes 
But then uh, on the second Wayne's World, uh, Aerosmith did They perform. did show up, yeah. yeah. so they blew it twice. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Dig. I know. That's terrible. Yeah, because you didn't direct the second Wayne's That's World. That's correct. And yeah. it's not as good. It does not well, hold up. I'm, I'm not going to uh, judge. Uh, I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And well, I have. It doesn't hold up as good. Well, thank I'll you. I'll tell you. But... Uh, yeah. um, but um, but they're releasing the DVDs uh, mm. together, so people get to see them both now. In a bunch but when of- you have such a huge hit movie, because Wayne's World, like you said, did two hundred million. Yeah. Was that a, was that a Mike Myers call to not bring you back? Or was it a studio thing? Or was it just a? Well, this is issue? a famous. Th- this is a kind of really well known thing that happened. That I actually, am, they've told me to not talk about anymore. Okay. Um, but I will anyway, because oh. <laughs> nobody can tell me to shut up. Uh, Mike and I had a disagreement about the cut on um, the first uh, about Wayne's the World. cut. Yeah, he, really? he had been he had been out of town mm-hmm. because his father unfortunately passed away, and he didn't get the privilege of seeing the test screening and how great the audience reacted. Gotcha. So when he got back, poor thing, he was in such a state of mind. Anyway, and then he um, he wanted a bunch of cuts, so I wouldn't hmm. do it. Out of curiosity, what did he want cut? Because the movie's very... Well, he will admit to this day that there were certain things that he didn't think were funny. Um, okay. And so maybe those certain things, like, whatever, you know, maybe. when Laura hits the car, the... Uh, when, on the bike? Yeah. He didn't think that was funny? No. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I think it's funny, Pretty yeah. left field. Hi, Terminator Wayne. cop and all that. Hi. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she But here's the thing. Mike, to me, is just as much of a genius comedian as anybody that you could you think of think of you know i work with richard pryor i work with so many of these these really really brilliant people and i um have so much respect for him and it's fine that i didn't do Mm -hmm. i mean back then when i was told i couldn't do it i mean i had a nervous break sure of course right you know or i should call it a nervous breakthrough (laughs) Uh, right (laughs) (laughs) nervous breakthrough so i was a better person afterwards (laughs) yes so thank you (laughs) (laughs) but you mentioned uh, alice and let's go to uh, my favorite movie of yours which is decline of the western civilization part two the metal years once again a movie that i saw i think when i was 15 or 16 whatever however old i was when it came out and it was hard to find i grew up in winnipeg canada so there was kind of i think it was on the pay-per-view channel up there somebody recorded it you got the VHS, you know, you kind of yeah, find it's like the, a underground it is. kind of uh, thing that you passed around without right. your parents knowing. Yes, <laughs> and then it did come out on VHS cassette, and I lent it to my friend, who a lot of my, my fans know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he never gave it back. So oh. Austin still has my Sheesh. Metal Years Darn uh, it. D- d- VHS, which you could never find it. Uh, up until I think a year ago, two years ago, when you finally mm-hmm. released it along with one and three, mm-hmm. um, what a what a tremendous time capsule movie of of the metal scene in the eighties, uh, the decline of the Western Civilization Part Two. Yeah, you know, well, thank you, thank you. We um, it was a it was a difficult thing all all these years to uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. to not put the the DVDs out because people wanted them so badly. Right. You know, and finally, my daughter Anna Fox came to me and said, Mom, you absolutely have to t- put these movies out. And I'm like, I don't like to look back. I mean, I haven't... You know how long it's been since I've seen Wayne's World? Hmm. Um, 1992. Wow. I haven't seen 25 it. years? Yes. Even now, you're not going to go check it out? No. Go sit in the back of the theater when they're showing it Get with dark glasses yeah, yeah, on? out and go, yeah. hey, hey, I made that movie. You should do it. No. No, that's not your I thing? Just, I just kind of like to look forward, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, so we put, we put the, the DVD set out, and uh, it was hard. 
because, you know, here's what happens. You look at it and you go, okay, yeah, now that part of my life is over, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just, you know, I just like to keep moving forward. And it's a little bit sad for me to look at it, you know. To look back. Yeah. yeah. Even though to others, it's a, a classic film that they yeah. watch, you yeah. know, on a yearly basis. I know they really do. And I appreciate that they do it. And I'm so glad that I feel fortunate that I was able to capture those moments in time when, you know, not everybody had an iPhone back then. And so yeah. not everybody was shooting. Right. You know, and I was able to, to, to film and, and make some sense of it all. And Well, let's go through some of the, the movement. Mm-hmm. It's got like, it's funny because right off the bat, uh, I, a, a quote that Paul Stanley said in that movie, I've lived my life by. The, the only people that tell you can't make it are the ones that have failed. I'm uh, not going to tell you you can do it because I can do it. You wow. know, you can do it. And Paul and I are actually friends now after all these years, and I've told him that. And it's just funny that it, that came when he's lying on a bed surrounded by five or six yeah. chicks in lingerie. Yeah. So what was your mindset? Like, there was a lot of famous people, and I kind of want to go through but with Paul Stanley, were you thinking, like, you have to be in a bed with all these girls. Or was that his idea? Or it was or, his idea. It was his idea. That's yeah, great. B again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He. Um, I asked Gene actually where he, Gene Simmons, where he wanted to be filmed, and he goes, "Well, I just don't want to do anything tacky." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Okay, well, where do you want to be filmed?" And he goes, "How about trashy lingerie?" I'm like, "Okay, Gene, we won't do anything tacky. <laughs> Let's go to the lingerie shop. Let's just go and <laughs> hang out in some underwear." Yeah. Uh, and then I asked um, Paul where he would like to be filmed and he said I, I want to be filmed in a bed with a bunch of beautiful women I'm like okay well we can work that so he gets to the set the day that we're shooting and um, he looks over in the corner and I you know we didn't have much money on that movie so we couldn't afford like really beautiful women we had some kind of pretty girls <laughs> yeah. and so Paul gets there and he goes Oh, Penelope, come here. Let me. They're not pretty enough. I said, well, "What am I going to do, man? We we don't have. That's all we got." He goes, "Hold on a minute." He calls the Playboy Mansion, and we have to wait for a little while while some beautifuler girls come down. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. So that, that that's the girls in the bed there. So you mentioned you don't have, a, uh, have a lot of money for that shoot, but you had a lot of big stars in that. How how did you get them? You know, it was probably uh, Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris that, and my daughter Anna, who mm-hmm. worked in, in the office that made the calls. And back then, it wasn't like today where there's so many media outlets. And, and you know, back then, not everybody was shooting. There were not that many media outlets. And so if you approached, you know. Aerosmith. Yeah, or no. Lemmy from Motorhead yeah. or whatever. And you just go, hey, would you like to come down and do a interview? They say, yeah, you know. Mm. And the, speaking of Aerosmith, Chris, it was interesting because I was shocked that they were going to do it. I mean, it was like, okay, cool. And then we got the set all ready to go. And it was right after they were just all supposed to be cleaned up, you know from their bad habits and they they sent these guys in to the set before um uh, joe and uh, stephen came in and they they took the their hands and went around the cushions and the couch and all the shelves above and everything i'm like what are they doing making sure there was nothing stashed for them wow i know yeah, they were still that bad. Where well, they were they had they had they were like the the cops that came <laughs> yeah, in to make yeah. sure that they weren't going to get loaded. Yeah, yeah, because they talk about that in the movie. Stephen, have you have you done drugs? A lot of drugs, all the drugs. It went you know? up my nose. Yeah, yeah. I just smoked half of Peru up my nose. <laughs> God, you're good. <laughs> no, like I said, well, those... I want your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen decline so many times. It's, it's ridiculous. Memorized, and it, it, I love it too because you see, like once again, the the pomposity of Kiss, which they should have lingerie shop 
top yeah. uh, bed of beautiful girls, and then yeah. you go talk to Lemmy, and it's just basically standing against on a, on a hill. hill with L.A. behind him, and mm-hmm. some great quotes from from Lemmy as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, in the dead of night. Yeah, I wish I was beautiful. Yeah, but how to him? So how was that with Lemmy? What time was that at? It looked like it was fairly it was late at night. Or dusk. Was... You know what happened was uh, I was trying to imitate what I did with Brendan Mullen in the first decline. Mm-hmm. You know, which was about punk. Which about punk, yeah. yeah. And um, so we put Lemmy up at the same place that um, that I filmed Brendan. And it started out at dusk, but, you know, dusk doesn't last that long. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful time, and the lights are just starting to glimmer and everything. And and then Lemmy was so great, we just kept going on until it was dark, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And once again, there's such a great yin and yang in that movie because the idea was to show the metal scene with the big stars like Motorhead and Aerosmith and Kiss and then all the wannabe up-and-comers. Well, that's the premise of the Decline of Western Civilization movies is that I want to give um, support to the unknown bands, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's like there's enough glory given to the big stars already, right? you know. So let's show some, some new material here. So, What were some of your favorite bands that you filmed? It was, it was did any of them stick out of the kind of the, the younger ones? In, in Decline 2? In Decline 2, yeah. Well, I mean, I love them all or they wouldn't be in there, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, if I if somebody plays a Bathroom Wall by Faster Pussycat, mm-hmm. it'll be in my head for a week. You know, I, yeah. just, I love that song. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, I mean, I love London. I love Odin. I love I love all those guys. Both the, London came across really well in that and Odin <laughs> came across like very rock star kind of yeah. not quite understanding their place in life whereas London did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Nader lives in Vegas now, and he's still uh, still rocking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lizzie Borden, too. And Lizzie. Lizzie's still on the road, actually. Yeah, he is. Actually, I talked to him a a couple months ago for for the show. Yeah, we talked about Decline, how it was for them and all that sort of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, a great great slice of of what it was like at that time. Mm -hmm. Ozzy as well. Tell Mm -hmm. us about Ozzy when when you filmed with him. How was it? Yeah, it, tell us. Yeah. It was, um, it was He's fine. He's making breakfast, Well, in basically. the first decline, Darby Crash makes breakfast. Uh-huh. In the third decline, Eyeball from the Resistance makes breakfast. In the second one, Ozzy. Uh, and Ozzy does not know how to cook, okay? And I don't, <laughs> I don't think he, he would ever challenge that. Um, and it's hilarious to watch him, too, because, like, he's putting butter in bacon and things like that, you know. He's missing the glass when he pours the juice. Well, that was, I faked that. Did you? Okay, I figured, yeah. You, you know that, yeah, right? It yeah, it seemed like a great kind of cut it, in. You know what edit, else yeah. was faked, I hate to admit? Tell us. I know what you're going to say. You're talking about the Chris, Chris Holmes? Chris in the pool. Okay, that's one of the famous scenes. Chris Holmes from Wasp. He's in the pool with his mom. He's drinking vodka right out of the bottle. He's super loaded, super drunk. Yep. Tell us yeah. the story. Well, here's the thing. Every My daughter, who put put the DVDs together, she's downstairs in the editing room, and she yells up, because I don't even want to look at this stuff, right? She, she yells up, Mom, you better come down here, because we got this whole scene with Chris, and he's picking, he's putting water from the pool in the, in the, in the vodka bottle. Do you want people to know that? <laughs> and I'm like, um, yeah, go ahead. Because it's the truth, mm-hmm. you know. It was he started out with a half a bottle of vodka, and he did drink that. Um, and then, you know, I did cut around the part where he was, you know, filling up the bottle with the pool water. But when he's pouring it on his head and everything, that's pool water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he wasn't as drunk as he appeared to be. No, he was blasted, oh. dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> what are you saying to his mom who's sitting there Well, watching? you know what? Chris is from like a biker family, okay? So okay. it's kind of like that's just what they did in life, you know? <laughs> Sandy was a biker babe, you know? Right, right. I mean, they just, they get around, they sit around, they get tattoos, and they get loaded, and they, uh, uh, you know, fire up their bike, you know? I mean, <laughs> what can I tell you? It was normal for her. You know. When that movie came out, did it get a good? Because um, once again, I don't know. Was it in the theaters? Or was it just a documentary? It got did a little video? bit of distribution, not very much. Just a few theaters here and there, and then mm. it came out on VHS, I think. But I have a history, uh, Chris, except for Wayne's World and a f- couple of the big studio movies, of not getting my movies released. Like the first decline never really got a release, mm-hmm. you know. And the Boys Next Door, that you know, great and, movie. <laughs> thank you. And um, Suburbia never got a release and this movie dudes that i did with john crier and flea never got a release mm-hmm. so now in my older age here uh, not only do i have a 25 year celebration of um wayne's world but i got the box set from the decline movies and now we're going to bring dudes out so i get to actually uh, have the movies released and you know i was so sad back in the day when when they wouldn't get released and i would be crying and my movies can't be seen blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now um it's like well that's kind of cool now that they're being seen well sure know? yeah and there was a real kind of interesting period like you mentioned kind of early 80s california movies you mentioned suburbia you mentioned dudes talking about boys next door and they're all very similar in tone mm-hmm. uh smaller budget but not cheap mm-hmm. and boys next door definitely one of those with charlie sheen and, mm-hmm. and max Caulfield, um, still one of my favorite movies of this day, and maybe Charlie's one of his first movies as well. Yeah, about it these was. two kids who basically go on a, a weekend away from home and just end up as demented serial killers. Mm-hmm. D- did you write the script on that? Or how did no, that you, you know who wrote it was uh, James Wong and uh, something how ha- Glenn Howe, hmm. uh, and those guys wrote also uh, the X Files. Oh, later. James Wong, yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, absolutely. Th- that's who wrote the Boys Next Door, and that's oh. why. It, one reason why it was so great, you know. Right. And then, um, I mean, it was a very um, disturbing it's movie. Disturbing. Good, 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 good uh, quote. Uh, that's a word for good it, description, isn't it? description, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had to, I didn't understand because we had to send it back to, they're going to re-release it now, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything I did, Again. they're re-releasing <laughs> You're it. getting your due now. Finally, finally. But uh, we had to go back to the MPAA, Motion Picture Association, where they rate the movies five different times for the end scene where Patty Darbinville gets um, her, thrown, through, thrown through the glass table or which no the one no the one where, where uh, she, sh- she yeah. shakes yeah oh, he, he, he shakes her to death basically yeah, right I know and, and, and it was like there's not hardly any blood in the movie or mm-hmm. anything but I think it was just so disturbing mm. on a psychological level that the MPAA like <laughs> he shakes her like one time and her neck breaks and I was like that didn't even make any sense you know but it was so violent because Charlie's having sex with her and then Max yeah. is the one who comes in and shakes her yeah. like he's just he's like what are you doing yeah. Yeah, like that is a disturbing scene. <laughs> it is. I know. So anyway, that movie's uh, I think going to come out again and I know Dudes is going to come out again. So Lots of stuff. A-, a couple more people I want to talk to you about. I know that you worked with Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um seem you seem like you'd be the type of chick that gets along with her pretty well. You can have similar well, vibes. Well, thank you for saying <laughs> that and we did get along for a very very long time and uh, what happened the way I I met Carrie was um we had a mutual friend, Carol Caldwell. And um, it was back in the day when, you know, Albert and, and Monica and all the Belsons were, you know, the the party animal comedic, comedic people were all mm-hmm. hanging out together. And um, 
Carrie, you know, she had to go to rehab. And um, when she got out of rehab, she she was shooting a movie, and, and I guess the movie got shut down. Mm-hmm. And so she couldn't get bonded after that. And so... Uh, I asked her to be in my movie, and she goes, yeah, because then I could get bonded again because I'll be a really good girl, I won't do any drugs, and then I can keep on acting. So mm. they made, And the, the bond company said, Penelope, if you want Carrie in your movie, you have to sign a piece of paper that says if the film production gets shut down, that the, the, it, what it costs goes out of your salary. Wow. Yeah, but I did it because did. I thought she was going to be fine, and she was, mm. you know, and she did a great job. It was a stupidest movie in the world called Hollywood Vice Squad. Squad. And um, (laughs) it was Robin Wright's first job when she was 19 years old. And uh, I mean, I I like, it was a B movie, you know, like a kind of a, not Roger Corman, it was a guy named Sandy Howard, but it was a real B movie type thing. And um, Carrie did a good job. And um, then after that, you know, I don't think she had a diagnosis at that point, the bipolar diagnosis. But if you know anybody that is bipolar, sometimes they're on the downside of the roller coaster and they they treat everybody bad Mm -hmm. because they're just like in that kind of a mood. And I took it personally, you know, and so I said, okay, I'm not going to be friends anymore. Mm -hmm. But then I saw her a few times, uh, you know, years later. I mean, I was at her house not too long before she passed away at a a, a party she had, but... uh, very very tragic situation there, and but if you guys have have you seen that movie Bright Lights? That's about uh, Debbie and. It's a documentary. That just yeah, came out. I haven't seen it yet. So good. Yeah, really says because they made that for release before, before. they died. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, and and it really is. I just cried all the way through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. You've been around the scene here for yeah. so long. You must see that happen from time well, to time. Well, you know, the thing about that movie is it just shows you how um, rough this um, business is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at the Directors Guild the uh, awards the other night, and there was a very, very well-known foreign actress sitting at the table, and she was talking to herself, you know? I'm not going to say her name, mm-hmm. but she was talking to herself. And then I look over, and she's got, like, lipstick smeared all over her face. I give her a, I give her the, the mirror so she could fix her lipstick and everything, and she's just like, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is this business makes you crazy. Yeah, okay? Yeah, so we right. have to be careful. Yes. We have to be careful to keep our sanity and keep ourselves grounded and know the important things in life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're talking about important things in life plus your work. You've done so many different movies. What, what kind of projects are you working on now? Or what, what, what would you like to do if you could pick or what are you working on now well honestly i ha- i started the decline four which i can't say which it, what Ooh. it's about i know i can't say what it's about because somebody will go out and shoot it before i'm done <laughs> uh but i started it before i uh started putting the the decline dvds out so i had to put it on hold and then i went on tour to all the theaters to show the decline movies so it was on hold longer mm-hmm. and now i'm diving back into it so there's that okay and and then there's a document another documentary on my mom and you know what i should tell you chris is I, you probably don't know this, but um, my mom ran away with a carnival when she was um, 19 years old, and she married the carnival owner hmm. that was 40 years old, and he was a wrestler. Oh, wow. I know. He was, yeah. <laughs> That's where it came from, by the way. Wrestling, uh, wrestling came from the car- carnies. It did the it? The carnivals, yeah. Well, my father was one of the early ones. Wow. And and I know his name was down at the, the Olympic Auditorium at one point, somebody told me. What's his name? 
Andrew Spheris, yeah, okay. and he um, when he he wrestled when he was younger, but then when he got older and when he knew my mom, he had a carnival and he was the strong man on the carnival. <laughs> okay, so he would go around to different towns and like you know, uh, my vision of my dad, you know, was him standing there with chains around each of his arms mm. and then attached to bumpers of cars and the car's wheels are spinning and they would call that like a free act which means you watch this and then go pay to go in see the real stuff you see yeah. the real thing and go over there but you know they, they have a guy like put oil underneath the, the tires you know? <laughs> <laughs> right alright so the tires are moving and he's yeah. he's, he's keeping them and at bay with yeah, the chains like, in his that's arms that's how strong right. he is so you're going to make a documentary about, about yeah I'm about, about halfway them. through but that one too yeah wow so so when you're doing this sort of stuff now is is it different now in 2017 to get financing than it was in 87 for example well thanks to wayne's world and the other studio pictures i did and thanks to the fact that uh digital filmmaking is cheaper Mm -hmm. then i could pay for it myself gotcha so this is the the ultimate freedom you know Mm -hmm. and my accountant goes Penelope, what are you doing with your money? I'm like, well, I'm just making my movies, man, because I got a habit, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I got a habit. real habit. You got to feed the monkey, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so when you're talking about, so with Wayne's World, you still get good royalties off of that because they show it on TV, for example? Well, they do. And, I mean, yeah, they were, Paranoi- Paranoi- Paramount was kind <laughs> enough to give me um, a percentage of it. So I still oh, to this day. gotcha. Uh, receive something from that movie, and I thank them for that. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm very fortunate. And then um, I don't have as many houses as Johnny Depp does, but I have a few. Uh, and I, uh, <laughs> I I I put my money into real estate, so that was kind Smart of a, too, right? a, a good move. Yeah. When I was looking at the uh, at the poster for the 20th anniversary, it says on there uh, also features a uh, I don't know if it's a Q and A or a meeting between between the cast members in modern day. Yeah. How, how was that? Who was on the panel? Well, what happened? There? There's this guy. Um, his name is Mark um, uh, Aaron Krantz, and he works with Peter Travers from Rolling Stone magazine. And um, they put together this half an hour that consists of a panel that I did with. Uh, Tia Carrere and Robert Patrick, the Terminator mm-hmm. cop, and Colleen Camp. And then there was another panel with Mike and Dana and me and Lauren on it and Rob Lowe. And then Peter Travers makes some comments about Wayne's gotcha. World. It was, it's a good program. Was it fun seeing all those guys again? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Under the umbrella of Wayne's World? I know. Yeah. It, it was awesome. You know, I mean, Mike's just all about you know his children now and mm-hmm. wanting to stay home and be dad you know <laughs> yeah he hasn't done a lot in the last few no, years no i he, think yeah. he's a good dad he stays mm-hmm. at home and he's got three kids now so you guys is it fun to see him again oh yeah, yeah. totally i mean we're all good everything's yeah. fine you create something classic like that yeah you got to be back. just appreciative that the audience loved it so much you know cuz that's the thing i mean how many filmmakers how many movies have this 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 project this product yeah. Like we said earlier, still resonates 25 years later. It's a pretty rare thing. Yeah. I, I don't understand it, to be honest mm. with you, Chris. I really don't get it. Uh, I just feel very blessed that it happened and that people are still interested in it and care about it. Um, I think I probably, you know, uh, if there's a God, it was just that God felt really bad for giving me a really crappy childhood, so he wanted to make up for it <laughs> and put me put me with all these really fun people to work with and, and have the movies come back 25 years later, you know? Yeah. F- final question. It's a two-parter, and I know you haven't seen a lot of your movies, but what's your favorite scene from Wayne's World, and what's your favorite scene from Decline Part 2? Oh, wow. Gee. 
That's like, what's your favorite? Yeah. What's your favorite kid? Yeah, who's your favorite child? <laughs> is there is there one that stands out though in your head or in your mind that? In in Wayne's world, I'm not going to say the obvious and go with Bohemian Rhapsody, but one of my other favorite ones. I had to fight hard to get Foxy Lady in there when. Uh, really. I did. I totally had to fight because they're like, no man, Jimi Hendrix ain't funny. I'm like, I swear to God. Just let him do it. Oh, yeah. With Dana Carvey, you know, and a talk funeral about would be funny. Talk about right. he, That's what he did was just... His little ears. <laughs> Foxy. Yeah. Um, so that's one of my favorite scenes. And, and then, of course, the scene with, with Rob and the glove. Um, <laughs> the rubber glove. I, I always laugh at. Yeah. So, um, but as far as decline two, uh, did you say favorite, favorite scene? Yeah, I'm just decline? curious. What, like, what stood out for you? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Mm, boy, everybody would say uh, Chris Holmes, but that's just kind of yeah, yeah. sad, you yeah. know. What we always do is quote uh, Nader when, and he, when he goes, oh, no, not more fog. <laughs> that's great, yeah. On stage, <laughs> yeah. they got the fog machine, and there's a 50 people on a whiskey on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. And he blew <laughs> And they had that, what do you call it, um, like an explosion that, that happened that like blew the front door off of the... Really? Yeah. So they, totally... they built their own flash pots, the, the, yeah. the boom And that when the boom happened, it blew the front door off of the Roxy or wherever we were shooting. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to light the flag on fire and, and it, it like, won't light. It won't light. <laughs> It's just, like, what else can go wrong? Like I said, know? anything that could go wrong with those guys, with the London it guys totally did. It totally did. I mean, the guy gets handcuffed to a chair and the girl leaves him, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's got the black eye from the <laughs> from the L.A. cop, the angry alley cop. L.A. cop. L.A. Yeah. cop, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Uh, Penelope, it's great talking to you. And we're excited. 25 years of Wayne's World and, uh, and, uh, and Decline 4. We're waiting for it and geez. see what the secret is. Let's see if I come back for 50, baby. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you all party on, huh? Party on, Penelope. All right. Party on, Chris. <laughs> no stairway. Denied. I've been trying to get to Penelope on the show for a while. She was great. Penelope, as I told her, I thought her name was. So glad it finally worked out, not only to talk about Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2, also to talk about Wayne's World 25. I, I want to have her back to talk about her upcoming Decline 4. What's she going to be uh, doing that movie about? She won't tell us. I'm sure we're going to find out very quickly, but thanks to her. Thanks for sh- her sharing all the great stories and memories, and happy 25th birthday to Wayne's World. And like I promised, 10 lucky Talk is Jericho listeners are going to win a digital download copy of the 25th anniversary edition of Wayne's World. All you got to do is tweet party on to at talk is Jericho and use the hashtag Wayne's World 25. I'll choose 10 lucky winners from everyone who tweets. So that's party on uh, at talk is Jericho on the Twitter and use the hashtag Wayne's World 25. That's number 25. If you do this, I will choose 10 winners and you'll get a free digital download of the Wayne's World 25th anniversary uh, uh, movie. Okay. And of course, big thanks to you for supporting this show uh, and supporting all my great sponsors. I couldn't do this with, uh, without you or without them, and that includes Amazon, the OG sponsor. Easiest way to help out the show, use my Amazon links wherever you do online shopping. You can find my Amazon links at podcast1.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right corner of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got the Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada, and every time you use Talk is Jericho Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage to this show to help us cover production costs. No hidden fees or extra charges. Whatever you buy, uh, just go to Amazon through my links, and you will be 
the coolest guy in town. That's true. Uh, just go to podcastone.com. Once again, click on the Killer Deals button in the right uh, top corner of the page. Then hit Talk is Jericho, and I'll take you to all my great sponsors, uh, including ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. 25% off all DDPY merch. And when you buy a max pack or a combo pack, you get a second one for 50% off. Uh, the price is already 25% off. What a deal. What a bargain for you. And, of course, Blue Apron, uh, cheap, uh, tasty, quick meals, and you'll get your first three meals for free with free shipping at blueapron.com slash Jericho. you got to check this out. There's some tasty treats, all right? And don't forget, speaking of tasty treats, March 15th, less than a month away, the biggest podcast ever because Mick Foley joins Talk is Jericho. We've been talking about this for uh, almost a whole year, and now there's only 26 days left and counting. And don't forget all the great shows on the Jericho Network, okay? Uh, so many uh, so many good ones, of course, Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus, Keep It on 100 with Conan, Beyond the Darkness, Freaking Out Five Days a Week, Team Tiger Awesome, they discussed this week uh, how to have sex with a superhero, don't forget that, and... The Jericho Network is growing because we're launching a brand new podcast on Monday, February 27th. Any guesses who's coming to the Jericho Network? I'll give you a couple hints. He has been a guest on this very podcast. He once DDT'd a longtime Talk is Jericho sponsor on MTV Live. I think that probably gave it away. But go ahead and hit me up on the Twitter at Talk is Jericho with your best guess. Who is going to be show number five on the Jericho Network? You're going to find out Monday, February 27th, the big debut. So thank you so much for listening. Keep listening to the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next and coming up Friday. Doing their first podcast ever. It's Handsome Rusev and Lana. That's right. What more could you want? The first podcast ever, Rusev and Lana, one of the uh, most popular top acts in the WWE, making their podcast debut right here on Talk is Jericho. You're going to love it, man. More information than they ever wanted to know about them and about the Wendy's fast food chain. Okay? we got all that coming up on Friday. In the meantime and in between time, stay cool, stay hard, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy. See you on Friday. Good night and party on. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party on! Excellent! And we're out! Excuse me? Baking soda? Oh, yeah! You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. But what I'd really like to do is something extraordinary. Something big. Something mega. Something copious. Something capacious. Something kajunga. But I'll probably end up working at Great America, mopping up hurl and lung butter. Sure.